Hello and welcome to the Empowerment Project podcast with me, your host, Katrina Sabrin. A few years ago, I found myself in a really dark and negative place, having no clue what my purpose or identity was outside of being a mum. I was unemployed, depressed, lacked confidence and had no self-esteem and had no clear path for my future. The world of mindset and manifestation came along when I needed it the most and my life did a complete 360. I manifested my dream house, marriage and discovered my purpose and calling and live a life that I truly love. Now I make it my mission to share my teachings and experiences to empower you to have your very own transformation. From this podcast, you can expect simple strategies, practices and tools that will give you the confidence, belief and mindset to create the life of your dreams. Hello my loves and welcome back to another episode of the Empowerment Project podcast. Today's episode is one that I feel so many of you are going to resonate with. It's something I feel so many of us have struggled with, myself especially, which is all about breaking free from perfectionism. So we're actually on episode 30, the big free O, can you believe it? What literally started out as an idea to share value and talk about subjects that I really enjoy and that I'm passionate about, and after procrastinating about starting a podcast for so long, it actually became my reality. Did I know what I was doing? No. Did I feel ready to start? Also no. Sometimes we feel like, and when I say we, I'm talking about me, (laughs) that we have to really wait for things to be completely perfect in order to start something or to release something or to show up in a certain way. So I used to feel like I couldn't put myself out there until I had everything nailed perfectly. And I had to have everything kind of like perfect in my own eyes before I would like commit to just yeah putting myself out there really or putting things that I that I had done out into the world so even like as far back as when I was in school the projects that I'd done had to be perfect I had to have everything spot on down to the littlest detail I needed to have a face perfectly made up and my hair just right if I wanted to go out or go live on social media I needed my house to be perfectly in order all of the time and actually this is that last one is something I'm still I'm still working on so I would constantly strive for perfectionism as a way of having control in order to seek validation and acceptance from those around me and to define my own self-worth I was having a conversation the other day with a friend of mine about where I believe this need for perfectionism stemmed from and I'll hold my hands up. I'm someone who likes a really tidy and organized home. I like things to be clean. I like things to be aesthetically pleasing. And I really like to have a house that I can be proud of. Um, I have, and I still am working on releasing like the pressure around like the need for everything to kind of like be in, in order. Like even as far as like in the mornings, like when I get up and get the kids ready for school and we leave the house, I was saying to one of the mums at school, I have to make sure that downstairs is all hoovered, all of the sinks are loaded back into the dishwasher, everything's put away, like the washing that the kids have taken off, I don't know if it's their nightwear or stuff like before, that all has to go in the wash basket. So I like to have the rooms reset before I leave the house. It's something that has become a bit of a, like an OCD thing. However, I used to be a hell of a lot worse. So we are, we are getting there. So anyway, when I reflected on why this was the case, I knew that it was to seek the acceptance and approval of others. So in the early stages of my childhood, I remember feeling really, really free. Like I definitely didn't worry about 
perfectionism back then. I never really worried about being judged. I would happily play with the other kids on the council stakes that I grew up on. Worrying about how you looked or what clothes you wore or how nice your house was just wasn't relevant to me back then. We didn't care about image. We didn't care about hair or makeup. Obviously, social media wasn't a thing. It wasn't even invented back then. Um, look at me. I'm talking about, oh, back in the olden days. <laughs> Oh, dear, but it wasn't like social media wasn't even invented. We didn't have any pressures to conform to what like an influencer was telling us or like to trying to live up to the carefully curated images to compare to. We didn't worry about being judged. It was also very innocent. And all we really cared about back then was playing and having fun. But as I got older, things slowly began to shift. So I was often invited to stay at different friends' like houses and um, like to go obviously round and have like little like, not like a play date, but just to go and hang out really. Some of those um, friends would have absolutely beautiful homes, and this is where I feel like the comparison slowly started to creep in for me so my mum bless her she really did try but it was hard like obviously I'm one of six children she was a really young mum um who was practically still a child when she got married and had me so I was in her belly at 17 I believe and she got married with me still in her tummy at the age of 18 and by the time she was well like it's even like in her late teens she had like three young children so she had me and my two two other sisters so her main focus was obviously caring for all of us children as opposed to having like an immaculate house and we just didn't have the money for fancy decor or furniture so I often remember um people like giving us like obviously gifting us or donating us um like furniture that they were no longer using or going to I don't know if they still exist but we used to go to like a lot of those furniture banks and you could pick up stuff for your house like really cheaply like it was obviously obviously it was second hand but you could save yourself so much money and I remember um going around with my mum um to like those furniture banks or like to boot fairs and stuff like that to buy like to get furniture for our house so quite rightly my parents main concern was our well-being keeping a roof over our heads and making sure that we were fed not about obviously how lovely our, our house looked so there was this one occasion that really stood out for me as being like the catalyst for stirring up these feelings of I hate to say it, but embarrassment, inadequacy and shame inside of me. Um, I remember making friends with this girl, this new girl who started within the school. Let's call her Polly. I'm not going to say her real name just in case. <laughs> um, although I've never seen, I've not seen her for a flipping decade. So anyway, her home was absolutely beautiful. So her parents owned their own house. And you know, those houses just feel really warmly. It was really warm and welcoming. It was quite modern, I remember. Really clean, decorated like so nicely and it had they had beautiful pieces of furniture so I remember inviting her back to my house for the first time and at first I didn't think anything anything of it you know just be nice to come and hang out for a little bit however the next day at school she'd basically gone around telling everybody that my house was like trampy dirty and smell of cats I do remember we had my cat had kittens at the time um but I was absolutely mortified I was so embarrassed and for the first time I felt like really ashamed about the house that I lived in which is flipping awful like what a flipping cow let's just put it that way so anyway moving on from that um that, in that incident I started to make excuses whenever new friends wanted to come to my house the only person I made allowances for were like my really really close friends so obviously my best friend Stacey she never ever ever judged me like ironically her family were really quite well off and she was probably one of the only 
people that I knew that like she had a very successful father um her family was so lovely like honestly they were they were the best and we are still so close like we've known each other what 30 god how many years 35 years I want to say but yeah she never judged me I could be completely myself I never got embarrassed about like my home or the things that I was wearing or you know by having like secondhand stuff she just she wasn't like that at all but um yeah, following that episode, so my attention began to be drawn to certain images that I was seeing in things like on the film and on the TV. So I remember watching like certain films and they showed like these perfect, I, don't, I want to say upper class, I probably want upper class, probably like middle class anyway, it's perfectly upper class or middle class families with their really beautiful homes, you know, like the typical 2.44 children um, and they would show scenes of them all sitting down nicely together to eat at the table as like as a family and everything looked perfect and you know they play all these games everything was so civilized and just really perfect and I remember thinking <laughs> I remember looking at my family thinking oh my god like this is just the complete opposite to my family and my my house and it was like something clicked inside me like when I moved out I've got my own place. I was like, right, okay, finally, I'm in control of the home that I'm living in. And I made it my mission to strive to achieve like the level of perfection that I'd seen in those films. And um, when I used to go and film, I mean, not that their houses were perfect by any means or the families were perfect, but it was like my sort of warped view of how I perceived their homes to be and their family life to be. So it become quite extreme. Like I become really obsessed with cleaning. So when I first moved into my first flat, it was a, it was a new build. Absolutely lovely. Everything was brand spanking new. Like I even had to peel off the, like the cellophane off my hob. And, um, I would do like a deep clean probably about three times a week, like a proper deep clean, like everything, everything, three times a week. And I would still clean daily. I was, I was so obsessed. And then I spent, oh my God, I got myself into so much debt, so much debt in my early twenties. Like at one point, I think I owed about probably like 30 grand and I spent thousands like purchasing lovely, nice things from my home. I wanted everything new and fresh. Like I should have just taken people's things secondhand and obviously then saved up to buy them but no I just wanted everything to be like brand brand new I was yeah completely obsessed and then I remember our first Christmas in that flat I invited my family around for Christmas and in my head I wanted to like recreate the beautiful scenes that I'd seen on TV with these perfectly laid table settings and decorations but I remember getting myself so stressed out and anxious because obviously I've got quite a big family and there's like there was I didn't have children at this time myself but my sisters obviously had their children but I got myself so stressed out so anxious trying to get everything absolutely perfect that I started I cracked open a bottle of Asti <laughs> and then by the time my mum arrived I was too tipsy to cook and she just basically had to take over so deep down I feel like a part of me thought if I can just like recreate those perfect images if I could just have the perfect home if I could just create this perfect life then I'll be fully accepted and no one would ever be able to make me feel not good enough again. Oh, I feel really upset. Oh my God, what's happening? Oh, I've just come over really emotional. But yeah, I feel like I didn't realise how much it affected me. Like those people who I feel like turned their nose up at, at me growing up because of like where I lived and where I come from and all the things like that. And like 
all that stuff was out of my control at the end of the day like I couldn't determine where I live and at the end of the day my parents are amazing they worked so hard to like keep a roof over our heads and to always make sure that we were like fed and looked after and loved and sorry <laughs> oh my goodness me like so this is the thing sometimes that like, emotions just come up and you don't realize how much they affect you until you kind of like dig a little deeper and ask yourself like where did this where did this feeling stem from like what are you trying to avoid by by being the way that you're being because obviously a lot of the time perfectionism and certain tendencies are to mask other things that are going on anyway pull yourself together Katrina (laughs) um so yeah I just feel like we all know that perfectionism just it isn't real it doesn't exist and by constantly trying to strive for something that isn't real can just really affect us in such a negative way obviously as you can see for yourself and I feel like the age of social media Jesus like where we're all constantly seeing all these perfectly curated images just add fuel to the fire so what exactly is perfectionism perfectionism is the pursuit of flawlessness it's the relentless desire for excellence it's you know, why I'm all for self-improvement and like bettering myself, that comes from a place of wanting to do that for me. But I feel like with perfectionism, it's for that external validation that I spoke about for that external um, acceptance and to gain your self-worth from other people by seeing as being like perfect. But obviously we know that it doesn't exist. Um, So while this may sound like something to strive for, the truth is perfectionism often comes at a steep cost to our mental health and our well-being and our overall happiness. Perfectionism can manifest in various aspects of our lives, from our careers to our personal relationships. The constant need to meet impossibly high standards can lead to anxiety, stress and burnout. The fear of failure can often become paralysing, preventing us from taking risks and embracing new opportunities. And I feel like this time of year, like obviously in the lead up to the Christmas holidays, is the prime time where we often try to achieve that perfectionism. So many of us strive for that perfect Christmas. And I feel like because it is just one day, we just make it out like, God, we've only got that one shot of making it into this perfect thing. And I feel like... (laughs) as each year passes, there's something more to kind of like strive for, like whether it's, you know, having matching PJs or booking in all the Christmas activities and having your home like perfectly festive and decorated, even down to like wrapping your presents in the perfect, the perfect way, like, and having like all of the, like the food and the, God, there is just so much flipping pressure. We stress ourselves out so much. We put pressure on ourselves to spend an insane amount of money, often getting into debt and then burning ourselves out so much that we don't actually even feel fully present or actually get to enjoy Christmas because of that pressure that we put on ourselves. And again, I hold my hands up. This is something I'm really working on to release myself. It could be so hard not to get sucked into trying to achieve that picture postcard Christmas thing that gets dumped, like drummed into our heads every single year. Um, like I, I, I do like admit, I do like want to make things lovely and magical for my children and my family. And I actually really enjoy like the decorating side and being creative and like all the nice little touches. Like that is something that I do enjoy for me. Like it's not to prove to anybody like, oh, I've got the perfect Christmas house and 
all these little touches like it's something that I just it brings me joy it brings me happiness but it's all about getting that balance and doing things because I actually enjoy them and want to as opposed to doing them because I feel the pressure to create this perfect like festive holiday season because I need that external validation and because I feel like that is what is expected of me so for the last few years we've actually gone away as a family to uh, to Butlins for Christmas and do you know what I bloody recommend it um so like I said I'm one of six and it was getting to a point where we were like, right, well, one, we haven't got a house big enough for everyone to host Christmas in in the one house, because obviously I'm one of six. We have all got children apart from um, my little sister. I mean, obviously I've got my, my parents as well. And there's a lot of kids <laughs> and it gets quite crazy. And also it's not fair to put that pressure on like one person to be stressing, like stressing out about hosting Christmas in their home. I just think it's too much. So we decided when Olivia was probably about, how old was the first time we went? I think she was probably about two. That was the first time we went to Butlins. And the very first one we went to was one in um, Minehead. And I cheekily, <laughs> I cheekily booked this, like, because I, I, so I booked it. But I was like, oh, I want to stay somewhere really, like, nice for me and Liv. And I booked um, this little place. And it was, like, it was like a, this little typical, Porlock is a very, like, picturesque place place and it was so so pretty and we stayed in this place and it was me and her in like this little four poster bed with all of his first stuff and then I was literally driving onto Butlins every day um but yeah it's just something I wanted to do and it was so lovely and we had the best best time um and then it's just something we've kind of done so it's like it tends to be every other year that we go but we actually when we finished there last year I immediately booked I immediately booked like we had the best time and I just actually enjoyed Christmas. I could relax and enjoy Christmas. I didn't have to worry about like hosting or cooking or cleaning or stressing myself out. So for us, instead of, instead of, sorry, I can, like my husband's been rained off and he's so loud. Like I'm sitting in my son's room recording this. He's downstairs in the kitchen, which is directly underneath and he's speaking on the phone and I can still hear his bellowing, his bellowing voice, but there we go. I'm gonna try not to let him put me off. So yeah, so instead of spending a fortune on food, expensive Christmas like experiences and presents I put that money to pay for the holiday so I book it in January and I just kind of like pay it off it's not as expensive as you think it would be and for what is included so I book like the premium dining um put the premium dining and they include things like um a Christmas pantomime um obviously inexperienced to see Santa you've got so many things included like all the shows are included um the fairgrounds all included the indoor activities are all included so obviously of course I still buy my kids presents but I just don't I don't go crazy like I buy them a couple of items and that is it I'm I just don't go mad because I also get gifts from other people as well and I was having this conversation again with a friend and we were like, God, back in like, our day, we would, if we wanted something, we would wait all year. And then even then it might not have been a guarantee that you get it for birthday or Christmas. But in this day and age, it's like kids want something, they get it. There's no anticipation. There's no waiting for a lot of, a lot of children. So I actually have bought quite a few things from um, Facebook Marketplace. And honestly, I've saved myself an absolute fortune. If you haven't checked the, checked it out, take a look, because you are missing a trick. And obviously you're doing a bit for environment, especially with a lot of the toys being like plasticky stuff. So a lot of the big things, like for my son's birthday, I bought, um, do you know like the Imagine X stuff? I bought 
like a set of three big Imagine X things with the with I went out and bought the figures separately, and they had the cars and stuff included. And I paid like £25. And if I bought those things individually, I feel like the Batman Tower itself was like, that's over £100 for that bit of plastic. It's not just space, it's plastic tat, isn't it? But yeah, you save yourself so much because a lot of the stuff is in such good condition. So check it out. Um, Olivia's obviously at an age now where she's quite old, like she doesn't need toys and things like that. So I prefer to buy her even an experience, like a concert ticket or a trip to the theatre, just something that she can, that we can do together. And obviously I'll get her a couple of stocking fillers, but I just, honestly, I do not go crazy anymore. I release that pressure. Um, and then in terms of food, like over the years, I've gone crazy with food. Like I hold my hands up. I've gone crazy with food and a lot of it just gets wasted. I end up giving it away. And I remember I saw a poll on Facebook and someone was asking like how much they spend, how much the average family spends on food at Christmas. One person said 800 pounds on Christmas week. And that is on top of their normal food shop. So that's what, nearly a grand? I'm not, my holiday costs that. <laughs> that is mental. That is absolutely mental. But, you know, no judgment. If that's what you want to do and that's right and that's right for you and your family, then so be it. But for us, that just isn't the aligned spending that I want to do. I feel like I can. I want to use my money in a different way. And like I said, going away is so lovely. It releases the pressure of having to cook and clean and host and... I can just actually relax and I love the festive vibe. Like I would happily do this every single year to be honest. Like last Christmas Day, we we went swimming. <laughs> it was really nice. Anyway, I'm proper like pushing buttons. I'm not sponsored by them by any means. I just love it. And I think it's if you've got younger children, or even if you don't, it is just a really something like nice to go away and consider. Um now I'm not by any means saying you need to go and book a holiday to escape for Christmas, but if you're someone who gets really hung up on spending a fortune, putting yourself under so much pressure and stress so much so that it completely takes the enjoyment out of the holiday season see where you can let go and make life easier for yourself okay remind yourself of how you want to feel so ask yourself how do I want to feel this Christmas so like festive present connected to my family and then ask yourself are my actions and thoughts aligned with that and if it's not then let it go like Ask, like, whose standards and expectations are you trying to live up to? Because I'm pretty sure it isn't your families or those that love you. They, wanna, they wouldn't want to have that all that pressure on you. And let's be real. Kids do not need bags and bags and bags of presents. They don't need you to spend a fortune and, put, and for you to put yourself in debt to have a nice Christmas. They don't need a parent who is so stressed and burnt out that they can't enjoy the holiday period. They just need you and your actual presence. I know that sounds so cheesy, like presents over presents, <laughs> but it's true. That's where the lovely memories are made, not through the stuff and the things. I bet if you look back on your like some of your fondest Christmas memories as a child and what made Christmas special for you, it wouldn't have anything to do with the presents or the stuff or the things. It would be actual memories spent with those that you love. So other things that I do to lessen the load is no longer sending Christmas cards. Like I just don't do that. Um, my sisters and I decided like a long time ago that we don't buy gifts for each other's kids as there are way too many of them and it become too much pressure, not to mention very, very expensive to buy 
presents for all of the million one kids that I have in my family. So instead, I started making up these little family boxes. So I got a bottle of Baileys, like a nice tin of chocolates or biscuits. You know the ones that come in the nice musical tins that Marks and Spencers do? Like, they're, and they're so reasonable. So I thought, what a fiver. And then like a family game or something or family movie that they can like enjoy together as a family. So think about what you can do to lessen the load and the pressure from doing it all. Where can you pull back? One of the underlying issues with perfectionism is the illusion of control. The belief that if, if everything's perfect, we can avoid criticism, rejection or disappointment. So how do we break free from the shackles of perfectionism? The key lies in embracing imperfection and recognizing that vulnerability is not a weakness, but a strength. Okay, asking for help, like you don't have to be perfect. By letting, the go, letting go of the need for perfection, we open ourselves up to growth, resilience and authentic connections with others. So here are some steps that you can follow to begin to overcome perfection. Number one, acknowledgement. Recognize the areas in your life where you're trying to achieve perfectionism. This could be your home life, your job, or your business or in your relationships. Are you trying to be the perfect mother, the perfect employee or the perfect wife? Where in your life are you setting impossible standards and expectations for yourself? Acknowledging your perfectionism tendencies and then ask yourself why. What feelings are you trying to mask with your perfectionism? For me, it was not feeling enough, feelings of shame and embarrassment. For you, it could be feelings of guilt, feelings of inadequacy, judgment or feeling unworthy or feeling inferior. Challenge these irrational beliefs that fueled the perfectionism and start to question whether your expectations are realistic and whether the consequences of not being perfect are as catastrophic as you've built them up to be in your head. Number two, practice self-compassion. Treat yourself with the same kindness and understanding you would offer a friend. Remember that it's okay not to be perfect and remind yourself that it's just an illusion. No one is perfect. It's an impossible thing to achieve and that perfection is something that is completely unattainable. Remember, your worth is not solely determined by your achievements or by how tidy and organized your house is, or even how by and get my words out, or even by how insta-worthy your Christmas tree looks. Number three, practice releasing the grip. Realizing that I needed to define and decide that I get to actually define and decide what is perfect for me. By slowly releasing the pressure on myself that was determined by social media, by the films that I watched, or by the unrealistic expectations of trying to achieve something that just isn't isn't obtainable. And instead of focusing on the perceived imperfections, I started to focus on everything that was right instead. So for me, pushing myself to do certain things when circumstances were not perfect or I didn't feel ready or looked a certain way or doing the things and by doing the things anyway, this proved to my brain that actually it's safe for me to do this and to let go of the need to be perfect. Just as a side note, like the me, even what, three years ago, would have 100% scrapped this podcast because I fumbled on those words and re-recorded it. Like I wouldn't have dreamed of putting this out. But you know what? Does it matter? Like in the grand scheme of things, does it matter? No, it doesn't. No one is judging me. And if they are, then that says so much more about them than it does about me. Okay. 
breaking free from perfectionism is a journey it's not a destination like it definitely takes time and for me it's still a work in progress it's about cultivating a mindset that values progress over perfection and appreciates the beauty found in life's imperfections by embracing imperfection we create space for creativity resilience and genuine connections ultimately leading to a more fulfilling and joyful life so I really hope you've enjoyed today's episode and if you have could I please please ask you to take a moment to rate this podcast give it a five-star rating that would mean so much and if you've really enjoyed it could you share it on your social media tag me or even share it with someone who you feel like do you know what this will really benefit someone like we all know someone who literally strives to be perfect and this could be an amazing gift to them um, if you could share it so it would honestly honestly mean so much to me um i'm gonna wrap things up there because my husband is downstairs cooking lunch and i'm absolutely starving but i will love you and leave you my loves and i'll speak to you next week bye bye are you ready to transform your life introducing mindset makeover your path to transformation are you ready to unlock your full potential and achieve your dreams? Then this workbook is your key to success. You're going to get an exclusive workbook. Dive into the world of mindset transformation with this comprehensive guide. You're going to get actionable steps. Learn practical strategies to shift your mindset and overcome obstacles. You're going to get the five key elements that will literally transform your life. Don't wait. Click on the link in my show notes to grab your copy now for just £7. You're going to get absolutely insane value for just seven quid. I can't guarantee how long it will stay at this price. So grab your copy now and embark on this path to transformation today. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with me today. I really appreciate and value your time. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share and leave a star rating. It would really mean so much to me and also help the pod to reach more people. If you want to get more content from me, pop along to my free Facebook community group, The Empowerment Project, where you can expect everything mindset, manifestation and personal development. The link is in the show notes.